Welcome in the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out FiveReasonsSports.com, F-I-V-E, ReasonSports.com, the only all-free sports website in South Florida where you can get not only stories and columns, but also a YouTube channel. Just went over 3,000 subscribers, have a new baseball show that is debuting this week called Loaded Bases. Also, check out Friends of Five. Five uh, Floors Yours, which is an extension of Five on the Floor pulse of fins nation and much more also all of our merchandise almost done with this i don't know we may extend it past the end of the month but if you enter in the code sports back to that sports back to you get 10 percent off if you spend 30 dollars or more which is basically two shirts so do that and you'll get two shirts we've got all of our heat stuff if you order it now you'll have it by the season i can pretty much guarantee you that as well as our Tua stuff and our five reasons gear also check out all of the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network all of our sponsors are local all of our sponsors are important to us because they helped us get through coven and we feel like actually we're the one sports media outlet that is coming out of this if it ever ends uh in better shape than we went in but one of them is the Gonzalez and Tybor Law Firm. And this is for people who did struggle during COVID. And the website is called bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. That's bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. The phone number is 954-678-8354, 954-678-8354. They represent clients in South Florida, but also in Orlando, Tampa, and Fort Myers. And they have consultations available via video conference or telephone. So, you can be safe and still try to figure out your issue, which may be solved by bankruptcy because that is one of the few laws that exist to actually help consumers. The new stimulus package that was signed recently, they made some important changes to the bankruptcy laws, so it's important to have a lawyer explain the changes. They've got payment plans and little to no upfront fees. They can help you or anyone you know. So if you're lucky enough to make it through this with no financial problems, chances are you know someone who isn't that lucky, Gonzalez and Tybor can help. Even before the pandemic, a lot of people were carrying a lot of debt and living paycheck to paycheck. Bankruptcy provides a chance to start fresh and it does not ruin credit. Most people see an increase of 100 to 150 points on their credit score within a year of filing. So again, the law firm is Gonzalez and Tybor. The website is bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com and the phone number is 954-678-8354. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954, brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. I've got Alphonse Sydney. I've got Greg Sylvander. Of course, Alex Toledo will be joining us on other episodes now we're doing a lot of sort of forward looking at this point looking ahead to the season which is supposed to start on july 30th provided there's somebody left in the state that doesn't have covid but we're also going to look back a little this is actually a suggestion we, we try to you know pay attention to what goes on on twitter through all of our accounts including the five reasons sports account you know i had something that came into me this week guys that asked me if this was one of the more memorable miami heat seasons for a lot of different reasons and maybe we could take a look back at every Miami Heat season and figure out how this one gets in the top five. And so we don't have Alex for this one because he wasn't alive for half of them. So Alex can join us in another episode. But Alphonse, you are how old? I am uh, a young 39. Greg, you are how old? 38. And I'm turning 21 for the 26th time. 
So that's where we are. And so that means that we were alive for most of these. In fact, giving away my age here, my first heat season I covered was 1995. No, excuse me, 1996. Um, we were, we, we've all been alive for all of them. That's um, correct. That's correct. I mean, yeah. you may not have been fully conscious for some of the early No, I was, I was seven years ones. old. I was that's seven true. years old when, uh, when the Heat came out. So That's true. Okay. Yeah, and you what, were... Leif, you were a Heat fan like, from the beginning, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like 89 is when I started to kind of gear toward basketball. And then 1990, I was all into it. So that, that was really the year that I you know, got completely connected to Miami Heat basketball. See, I didn't become – I didn't become a Heat fan until Riley came down because I was a, I was a Riley fan because you're I think I've told the story before because my father was a big Magic Johnson fan. Mm-hmm. So I, be, I was a Laker fan. So I love Pat Riley. And when Pat Riley became a, the Heat coach is when I finally started paying attention to the Miami Heat. I remember them on WBFS Channel 33. <laughs> and, like, and like hating like – and it's like just completely like this is – this is a basketball fan. And I was watching Nick Fan and Cedric Sabalos um, <laughs> as a Laker fan. But then, like, when, when, when Riley came down, I was like, I started really paying attention to the Heat. And that became, that's when they started to become my favorite team. So, Well, my, my story is a little different because I grew up, as a lot of people know, a Nick fan um, and, and was really a hardcore Nick fan during the Riley years. I mean, I was during the Hubie Brown years. I mean, I remember Louis Orr and Trent Tucker very well. Uh, but then when it got to be the Riley years, I mean, John Starks is the only basketball jersey I've ever owned. And so I, that, I lived and died with those Knicks teams that I knew were not good enough. I, I knew it, but it was like – and then it's funny because then when I came down here and started covering the Heat in the same way that I started covering the Dolphins and had to drop my Jets allegiance – I, the heat became what the Knicks were, <laughs> which is really good, but not good enough, you know, gritty yeah. and, and, you know, pain in the ass to play, but ultimately, you know, don't have that piece to get them over the top. And that's what the Knicks were. I mean, that was Charles Smith getting blocked by, by Scotty and, oh. and, and all of that. And so make a freaking layup. Cause I, I rooted for the Knicks against the, uh, and Bulls. that's a hard thing to say as a heat fan. I rooted for the Knicks against the Bulls cause I hated the Bulls because my brother was a Bulls fan, and I love Riley. So I rooted for the Knicks. And, like, Charles Smith missing, like, 18 layups in a row. Wait, Ethan, so you were a Knicks fan when John Starks had that game seven? Oh. Yes, I was. That was that was actually That is a my, tough scene. Well, that was actually sort of uh, my last real time as a Knicks fan, because after that, I, was, I went to Columbia Journalism School 94 through 95, and then I came down here to work. I worked at the Baltimore LA times, Baltimore sun briefly, and the interned, and then came down here. And I, in 1996, I was working at the Palm beach post. And my first gig was backup on the heat and the Panthers. So I was, I was the backup writer. Um, it was actually myself and Rachel now Nichols, but at the time, Alexander, we were the backups on the heat and the Panthers for the Palm beach post and the sun Sentinel respectively. Her career has got a little better than mine. Um, <laughs> and then, and, uh, and so, so I was there for the Panthers run to the finals at the same time as I was covering a really compelling heat team. And I, you know, I'll always remember, I, you know, I always tell the story about how, you know, I decided to go on a date on trading deadline day, uh, when Riley, you know, promised at, at, uh, practice at LaSalle in Miami that 
there would be no trades and there wasn't even any chatter. And so I decided to go to dinner. And at the time there were no cell phones, or I didn't have a cell phone, I had a beeper. And so I got beeped in the middle of a, a nice meal. Um, and I called the office and found out that uh, the Heat had traded five players for five players. And one of the players they were getting was Tim Hardaway. So that's where I go back to. So I lost my whole allegiance to the Knicks. And then, you know, there were all those Heat Knicks playoff series and you get attached to the players you're covering. And so by the end of those, I didn't like the Knicks very much. <laughs> that was, that was so, pretty so much. So wait, Ethan, so you're kind of a fan. I mean, I was a fan. I was a fan. But no, no, I'm you, talking about the Heat right now. Like, you're kind of a fan. No, I, I, I'm a fan of the people <laughs> I've covered. Al. You get as you far get, as so I'm you, going. You, you I, will not admit that you. We almost got him. We almost got him, Leif. We almost I got run, him. I run. I run a <laughs> fanalist network now. I, I think this is about as far as I can go. I've come to the line. Okay, I've recognized that sports has changed, and that the media is allowed to sort of not cheer in the press box, but at least you know have an interest in who wins. But I would not call myself a fan, no. I, I, I'm a fan of the way the Heat organization has treated me through the years, yes. Uh, I'm not, you know, to say I'm a fan, you'll have to judge by my work. Some people will say I've become more of a fan in the last two years. That may be the Lace, case. Lace, have I ever told you what he's done to me, like when I fist-pumped on like a Myers Leonard 3? <laughs> oh, trust me, I got text messages that were like, make sure you don't fist-pump or you don't cheer in the... In the he's um, literally like hit me. Press like he's he's I, assaulted I, me in, in press row. I'm just... Just trying to keep everybody <laughs> in line with the rules. That's all. It's a line I remember it was a, it was the first game that I've covered as media, and we're, we're sitting in press row, and it was like one of the first games of the season, of course, and they kick it out of Myers. It's first quarter. It's probably like two minutes in, and Myers nails the three, and I just give a little fist pump, and Ethan gave me the sharpest little elbow ever. I'm like, what the fuck? And he's like, no, no, you can't cheer. I'm like – Oh, I guess I can't. So, like, I learned from that. Like, and there, there's been a couple times Ethan admonished me in press row because I fist pump. Like, I'm not standing up and cheering or anything, but I fist pump. I, I you know, a little bit. Yeah, okay, you know. And he gets mad. It would be hard not to fist pump for that hero step back against the Sixers. Like, if well, you, but, if they, you, but they weren't sitting with me though. That's the thing. Uh, Did you ever hear that story, Leif? No. <laughs> Me and Alex were sitting where they sit scouts because it was such a big game. So ESPN was there. Everybody was there. So they threw me and Alex up into – and they didn't put us – which was which very respectful. They didn't put us up in, like, the upper deck, like wow. where you're sitting by uh, Jordan's jersey. Um, they put us in, like, this, the, the scout table, like, by the doer's lounge, which is yeah. a nice little area to watch the game. And But there was no other media there. Alex and I were jumping up and down – chest bumping like we were doing like we were so unprofessional but we knew there were no eyes on us so we went nuts that game me and alex like showed our ass like we're like ethan's not here we're having the time of our lives this is the best game of the year uh if ethan was there he probably would have killed us both what were you were you there for the and i do want to get to our topic tonight were you there for the uh or was that i think it was alex was there for the atlanta game where they were down 13 or something this year uh, with about a minute left. You weren't there for that one. Alex was. I watched that from home. I remember okay, that. Okay, because I, I, I was in the crowd for that one because I, I took someone with me. Um, and so I was about 10 rows ahead of Alex. And as this was happening, the person I was with had never been to a game before. So this person, I won't give away a gender, but this person was, at, you know, was like, 
oh, we need to leave. There, there's no way they can win. And I'm like, no, no, they've done this before. Like this was, they're down like 13 with like a minute left. And so, of course, you know, they come back, and that was the one where Trey Young basically, you know, called it over, and then the Heat scored 22 consecutive points or something like that. And I kept – because she – okay, I sorry, I gave away the gender. This person is, like, jumping up and down, like, screaming because of this, you know, this, this is this great thing that's happening. And I kept looking back because I knew Alex was going to admonish me if I got it. Because when you're in the crowd, it's different. <laughs> And I, I, I didn't want to like set a bad example. So I'm just like sitting there and like, she's looking at me like, why aren't you excited? I'm like, yeah, like, why, yeah, you're not I, participating. I, I, I can't, I can't cheer. He's like, cheer. I'm a journalist. I'm a journalist. We brought you down Bro. to our, our fan level. Ethan. That's right. That's Listen, right. Poppy Lebetard gets credentials. Like let's, let's, no, let's that's get true. over. That's true. All right. What are we doing here? Oh yeah. Okay. Can they, can this be one of the heats, uh, f- five most compelling seasons? Um, so here, Leif, you sent me a list, all right? Well, let's work off your list. Let's try to work these down to five, all right? Yeah. So here's five that you gave me. I'm going to go from the, from the first year that you gave me, 96-97, which was the first year that the Heat were really a contender. This is Pozo and Timmy, okay? That's 96-97. Uh, you don't have anything before that. Do we rule out anything before that? I think you have yeah. to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the inaugural year was fun, and like everyone came in in tuxedos on opening night, and the the court color was a little weird if you look back on it. Um, and obviously, but it, it was a it was a bad season. There was really when Rory Sparrow is your best player. Like mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know that we can make that the most one of the top five most memorable seasons. Yeah, there's a lot of bimbo coals. Like if if you have if you have three championships. Mm-hmm. You can't count anything that happened before Zoe came <laughs> as a memorable season. I think that's fair. I think it's fair. All right, so so let's yeah. move off of that. So the next one you have on the list, and I guess be, you know it's funny because that that season ninety six ninety seven didn't end the way you wanted it to end anyway. But you go through, you know, they kept losing to the Knicks. So I, I guess we can wipe out the other regular seasons. To me, are kind of a blur, even though I covered all of them. Um, I remember there was one year they got off to a blazing start and they just looked like a fine-tuned machine. Like, I just remember them blowing people out the first 25 games of the year. But it ended the same, losing to the Knicks. So, I, 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 it's all memorable, all those years. Like, if we're just using the term memorable, like Jamal Mashburn's, you know, not taking a shot was memorable. Allen Houston's shot was memorable. Uh, you know, all of that stuff, you know, the, the pulling on Van Gundy's leg was memorable. But I guess if you're going to pick one, it's, it's just 96, 97. All right, so then... Zoe gets sick. You know, they flame out against Charlotte in the playoffs. I don't think we can count that one. So the next one on the list, and I, I, I'm just going to say, this is going to be in everybody's top five, right? Oh, three, oh, four. See, oh, yes. this, is, this gets difficult for me. Like, I, I, trust me, I want to put 0304, but the more that I unpack this, it was really difficult to get them in the top five. But I, I, I will understand and predict that most Heat fans will have that season in their top five. I think a lot of Heat fans still have that season one. That brought me back to the Heat. That brought me back to the Heat as a fan. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like, I, 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 I had my West Coast team was the Lakers. My East Coast team was the Heat. And I, I stopped paying attention to the Heat after like 99, um, 99, 2000. And that season, what Dwayne Wade was doing against uh, the Hornets and the Pacers, like that brought me back to being a Miami Heat fan. So to me, like that season is a, a Brian Grant, Karan Butler, Lamar Odom. It be it, it was like 
it was it's the it's the it's the catalyst of everything that's happened since to me. For me, it's difficult to put it in the top five for this one reason, and that's that the the moment that Riles could blow that team up and completely reshape it, he did. And I know that obviously the Shaq trade is a no brainer um, to ninety nine point nine percent of the people on this planet, but. Because of that fact, because you saw that it was not necessarily a finished product and it was, it was a transition year, really, and, and Wade popping up out of nowhere and kind of becoming this, this superstar, you know, particularly in round two against Indiana, that's like um, kind of like it, it was the icing on the cake that season. But I, 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 I don't know. There's, when, you, when you think about the three championship years – and uh, in some of these other years, like it, it gets tough, but but, but Leif, I can see why you that, guys are putting them there. Leif, isn't that the blueprint for the Miami Heat going forward that year? Like that year was a bunch of homegrown guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bunch of it was it was finding um, it was finding guy castoffs, rehabilitating them, turning them into viable options, and then trading them all away for a superstar. Like that was what it was like, and that's what the Heat has been ever since then, right? It's that's like that was that's the yeah. that's the modern day blueprint of what the Miami Heat is. So you look at it like right now, people are talking uh, trade when they trade. Miles, their current Dwayne Wade, they're not trading him for anything. But all these guys that they've turned into viable uh, viable role players and options. Like, those guys will be cast off for a Bradley Beal or a Victor Oladipo. Like, this is – like, 2003 is setting the blueprint for who the Miami Heat have become for the next 17 to 20 years. Well, when you look you look at the 0304 team, and again, you, I, you also got to look at moments. So, okay, how many moments are there that we remember? Well, okay, I mean, I remember Lamar Odom's triple-double on a Sunday vividly. Um, against remember, Sacramento, right? Against Sacramento. I, I remember – uh, Ray for Alston's shot. Remember that one? Yeah, um, in the corner yeah. against Toronto or against something like that. Right, I believe it was Toronto. Um, you know, obviously Dwayne's runner in the lane. I have a huge blown up photo of this. So, my daughter asked me the other day uh, why I'm looking confused because it's I'm sitting behind the baseline and Dwayne's just about to release the ball, um, and it was like you knew you were watching history um, with him coming out. You know, and that's and then the Jermaine O'Neal dunk. Uh, the dunk over Jermaine, I, there, there were moments there that first round series was interesting. I, I, I think, I, I don't know if it'll make top five, but I think it's definitely in the mix. All right. But the next, the next one you have, you have 0405 and 0506. And here I'm torn on this. I covered both and 0405 was much more enjoyable. <laughs> it was just, it's it, true. it was Shaq's first run. He and Dwayne were developing this, you know, you know, it was a better team too. Chemistry. It was a better. It was a better fit team. It was a better fit team. It uh, not even fit. That is that is uh, outside of uh, twelve and thirteen. That's yeah. the best Miami Heat team you'll ever see. Yeah, it was a true. Oh, considering that they had Damon Jones in their starting lineup, it was pretty amazing that they. I mean, they, they were really good, and they they were dominant at times during that season, like dominant. Fifty nine wins. And the next season, they were not. Um, the next season was the stand thing under the cloud of suspicion. There was, you know, Shaq sitting out. There was Dwayne getting banged up. There was a whole bunch of stuff in, in that yeah. next year that was not fun. But, yes, 15 strong, and they win a championship. I, I mean, 
Heat fans are going to pick 05-06, and I get it. To me, it's you got to pick one or the other. But 04-05 was more fun, in my opinion. Like, the end result was not more fun. I get it. The end result might have been a lot different if Dwayne doesn't pull the ribcage muscle. But Yeah. No, and the, but the other thing is if we really break down moments, there was more moments in game six against Dallas in 2006 than maybe all that we would remember from the regular season yeah. the year prior. So like True. then it's, you, you just start to see kind of the gravity of the moment and then it's, it's difficult to not keep 0506 in the, you know, in the running there. But I totally agree regular season wise. The, the first year, Shaq was an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. They kind of um, looked like a team that was going to make the finals, and it was just, you know, one weighed rib injury away. So, And, and it felt big. The, the Heat felt big they at did. that time. And, and the next year, it felt choppy, and it, it just was not – it's like it, my it felt were, Antoine Walker. Yeah. The Heat right. were destined to go to the finals that year. Like, the Heat were running through yes. the East. Yes, um, there was, there were, you know, I'm not saying they swept everybody, but they were like, they were like a destined team. Like they were just, they were beating the hell out of people. Mm-hmm. But that team was better than 06. And I, and I know some people disagree with me on that, but like that team was better than 06. No, it, it was a better, I think on paper. And again, the reason that Pat made the trades was, was because he didn't think so. On paper, the 0506 team was better. I think I, I believe. But you mean the 0405 team? No, no. On paper, the 0506 team was better. There was more talent. No, more no, depth no. I don't names. even think so. No, no, there was. Uh, look, there, and, and I'm an Eddie. You're talking Jones about guy. over the whole names, though. Yeah, but I'm and I'm an Eddie Jones guy. But like, look, I mean, you're talking about you subbed out, and and I was the one who wrote the big screaming headline in the Sun Sentinel that Sedano's never let me off the hook for that I didn't like the trades. But if you just look at it on paper, you you have. You're talking about replacing Damon Jones with Jason Williams. That's an upgrade. Okay. So you, so you sent out Eddie Jones, but you brought in Posey and Walker. That's an upgrade. All right. I mean, I, as much as I like Eddie, if you, you got both guys for that position. So I, right. that, 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 that team was, that team was better. I, the, the second team. Was yeah. Better. But you know what? It's, 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 it's hard because when you look back, like, when I would, when I think back about those times, like, yes, James Posey stepped up. Yes, Antoine Walker stepped up. Yes, Gary Payton stepped up. Yes, I Jason Williams Gary stepped too. up. Right, Gary replaced. Ray like, these guys were not supposed to be. Like Gary Payton just got off of a stint with the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, where he looked like he couldn't play basketball anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was like, there's a lot of things that happened in '06 that were outliers. Like, I don't like I. It's hard for me to like to say that yes, I I believed in Antoine Walker going into that season. You know what I mean? It was like nobody did. Like we all were like, "What Antoine Walker? Like, are you right. kidding me?" Right. Like no, the Boston it, let him go because Paul Pierce was the next coming. No, I, I get it. Like I said, I was the guy who didn't like the trades, but I, I think on paper it was better. But this oh four oh five was more enjoyable. I still think I, you're right for not liking the trades. Like, well, I don't care what it. it I was I know except it, for a six-week run. I mean, I, it was almost you know you talk about being objective in the media. It was almost hard for me to enjoy that run because <laughs> no, it really was. It really because because I did not want to be wrong. I just didn't. I did not want to because I didn't want to. Everybody was obby about it, and I I just I had such a conviction that I didn't like the trades. I didn't like the mix. 
And, and I was kind of right because they overwhelmed Stan, which is one of the things I thought was going to happen. But I did not think that Pat was going to take over. And that I also, team, you know. That team, okay. And Leif, I, I want your opinion on this. And I know we got to keep, keep going on. That team had no business winning a title. It really didn't. To, in my honest opinion, had no. that's why I love 06. I love 06 because that team had no business. Antoine Walker had no business just being a catalyst, the second leading scorer on an NBA Finals champion. Uh, like, like yeah. it just, that, that well, team that's why no Dwayne business. said what he said, but that's why Dwayne said what he said the other day, where Dwayne... Yeah, and, and, and they, like, they weren't the fast enough. Better. Yeah, you know mean, what that team was? That team was tough as shit. But, Leif, give me your opinion. Like, I want to hear your opinion because I don't, I don't feel like that team was like – Dwayne was that good. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, ultimately, it was pieces that didn't fit. There was uh, a million different reasons why they didn't fit, and it was beyond just basketball stuff, but um, even the personalities and things like that. But – in retrospect, it ultimately showed one, how great Dwayne Wade was. And, and obviously um, I think that you can't discount that lightning in a bottle, um, you know, like that they caught that and they, like Ethan said, six weeks and they got it done. But um, ultimately it wasn't really a title team. I think if you really look back on that season, the Indiana Pacers team that got kind of squashed because of Ron Artest's antics was probably the best team in the league. They were. Um, they they, they were that, won a that, title. That team should have won a title. That that was that was an elite elite team. That and they should have won a title. And it is a testament to Pat. But I always come back to this. You know, everybody thought Pat was you know sort of trying to, and I did at the time too because I was fed some stuff that didn't turn out to be accurate. But uh, everybody thought Pat was kind of scheming to try to become the head coach. And I, I will always remember this story where Gary Payton, you know, <laughs> walked into Pat's office and basically said, okay, what are, you know, uh, where we go from here? And Pat's like, what are we running? Uh, <laughs> and that's, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of how this thing started. It was, it's a, if you look back no disrespect. Okay. But if you look back at the last, whenever somebody says no disrespect, they're about to disrespect. If you look back at the last 20 years of title teams, the, the the 06 heat would be in the bottom five of the last yep. one. Well, and they, and that's they would be Dwayne in the bottom Wade's, five. And, and that's why Dwayne Wade's performance five. would be in yes. the top five. Yes. I think Alf was about to say that. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No question about it. All right, let's move on to the next. You know what? Before we got more to get to. So let, let me tell you about another great. I knew this episode was going to run long. Uh, let me tell you about another great sponsor for the Five Reasons Sports Network. And that's Making America Clean Again. It's a division of Greenview Construction. Again, another app. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, 
wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Advertise or sponsor that is perfect for these times. Why? Because nobody's going to want to walk into your business or residence unless they know it's cleaned, unless they know it's sanitized, unless they know that it's disinfected, unless they know that it's sterilized. So get that certificate. They can do short-term or long-term work. They can even install a UV generator into your ductwork so they can make sure over, again, this is Greenview Construction, Making America Clean Again, that your place is safe, open for business, and that everybody feels comfortable there. Because as we see, COVID is not going away anytime soon. This is the new normal. There's going to be lasting effects. And so you got to reach out to our guy, Chris, over at Greenview Construction. It's Making America Clean Again, M-A-C-A-I-N-C.net. That's MACAinc.net, M-A-C-A-I-N-C.net. Again, get the three-step cleaning process, cleaned, sanitized, disinfected, and then sterilized. That's four parts, but the clean and sanitized comes together. MACAinc.net. All right. Um... Let's get to some of these others. And then we're going to see where this team fits because you see how hard this competition is. As much people are having fun here with this season, some of these seasons are a little bit, you know, they're going to, they're going to jump out in front just because of their titles. Can we decide 0405 or 0506? Just which one, Leif? You said 0506? Yeah, just off the strength of Zoe's game sticks by itself. I mean, not, not even counting Dwayne, just Zoe on the floor screaming, Twan with the shimmy. Like, those moments will forever be imprinted in every Miami Heat fan's memory. So you got to go there. Sorry, Alf. Alf? <laughs> no, I, no, I also agree. Like, you win a championship. Like, there was, like, there was this, uh, a, just a weird fan on Twitter who was saying that, yeah, I understand that when LeBron came to Miami, they won two championships, but they mortgaged their future. So it, it was kind of disappointing. I'm like, dude, you won a championship. <laughs> right. There's no such thing as disappointing <laughs> off of winning championships. Right. Like, right. like, oh, I, 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 yes, we won two titles, but I'd rather have the assets. Like, shut the fuck <laughs> up. Like, it's so stupid. Well, if that was the case, Danny Ainge, you would just, I mean. Oh, yeah, Danny Ainge. All-time general manager. because they, they he'd, he'd have 16 rings at this point. They've held on to more assets. I, I'm going with 0405, but I lose. So, so we'll throw 0506 in. There. Wait, wait, wait. You're going 0405 as a more memorable season? It was more fun, and I, I'm sorry. I can't get over being wrong about 0506. <laughs> yeah, no, personal. That's, <laughs> just, yeah, that's a personal I'm, thing because there's no it, way. It, 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 it's a personal thing. All right, so let's get to the big three seasons. And I'm going to disagree with you guys off the jump on this because I know where Leif's going because he sent me – 
two big three seasons in his top five and not the season that I would pick. To me, the most memorable big three season was 10-11. And, and maybe it's because I was on the ground for it and I covered 79 of the 82 regular season games, home and road, and then every playoff game. But there will never be a season like that in NBA history again. I don't care if they lost at the end. In fact, it was more memorable because they lost at the end and the way they lost at the end. 12-13 um, to me is, is there because of the 27-game winning streak and everything that played out that year. Uh, I will be honest, I don't remember a lot of 11-12, and I was there for all those games, too. I remember the opening night in Dallas, and I remember the title. It was that, that shortened season. That's why it was weird. It, it was got compressed. I, I, but 10-11, Leif, it has to be there. I mean, no, I agree, with, I agree right. with you on 10-11. I really do, because you know what's funny about 10-11, and I don't know if you guys are going to agree with me on this, 10-11 legitimized every super team afterwards having to like let the sports fan know that it doesn't matter how much talent you put on the floor together like there's a lot of other things that go into it so like 10 11 like just every every super team every you know when lebron went back to the Cavs and he had three superstars and when uh the golden state warriors had superstar like you will never be able to discount a super team again because of 10-11. Like, 10-11 is such an important year in basketball history. So I, I think that that's definitely top five. December, Leif, December 2nd, 2010, for me, is enough. Okay? That one night in Cleveland is enough to, to put it ahead of the other big three seasons because yeah. that, it's just that night is not like no other night I'll ever experience. And uh, I mean, when we were, we, we left our, our seats in the third quarter because the batteries were being thrown. I, I've never experienced anything like that. And then you add to that bump gate, chill gate, uh, contraction gate. I mean, how many cry gate? I mean, they were all bad. Okay. Right. But, but they, but, but they still, but even with that still beat Boston Still beat Chicago in one of the most memorable, like last dashes you'll ever see, you know, and, and basically, you know, Dwayne and LeBron screaming, you know, you know, ham in the locker room and everything that went on with that. But the thing about 10, 11 that you just can't compare, we'd go, we would be in Memphis or, or Portland. Like we're, there was no chance LeBron was signing with those teams. And it was like the biggest event of the year in those towns and, and, and the hatred that he was getting and the, the personal struggle that he was going through trying to be a villain. I, to me that year, even though they lost was more memorable than the other three years combined to me. And, you know, and even I, I sum it all up and I remember being at a Whataburger at two thirty in the morning, Dallas time. Okay. And, and being there at a drive through and seeing that LeBron had just tweeted now or never, you know, between game four, and game five. I mean, we will never, we'll never see a season like that again. To me, yeah. that that's first of the big three era. You know what? When I initially sent the list, I have a, a mental block over that Dallas finals because there's only a few moments in heat history that have literally as a fan brought me to my knees. And that was one of them that lost to Dallas because we had like gotten over the hump against Boston and Chicago and nobody thought that was going to happen. Like Chicago kind of owned the heat all throughout the regular season and Boston was this playoff tested team. So um, 
when they beat both of those teams, it was such validation. And then to get smacked in the face by Dallas when you knew you were better and, and that Dwayne corner three um, early in the finals, like over. just thinking back over. on all that, it was over. It really was. But regular season wise, you're like, you guys are hitting the nail on the head and, and I can't, I could not agree with you guys more. Um, well, well, I will disagree with Ethan on one thing. I, I think that season is top five. But I don't think it's it's over either of the championship seasons because uh like they, the the season that the Heat beat the the Thunder, that's LeBron's first championship. Like it is, but the moments are not I, I get I understand it. it's but that has to be like LeBron, like on the sideline, like do on that Kanye track mm-hmm. and he's waving his arms, top that might be the biggest moment in Miami Heat history. Well, also, it was a collective sigh of relief as well as just being abs- – like, it was – that game yes. five was like a party, you know what I mean? It was but a But there release. was also a certain element of like, oh, my gosh, that we finally won. Everyone hates us. This is validated. Mm-hmm. This thing worked. And, and so that's why I immediately, when I sent you my five, it was there, and that first big three team wasn't. But if you really drill down put- into the season – like. Okay, I, I see. I, I agree with you. Maybe it, it depends on what you call memorable, right? So, honestly, that first 10-11 season wouldn't be in my top five. Because um, there's, there's a first, there's a three heat seasons that they won championships. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, 05-06, uh, Shaq's first season is there. And, and we'll, we, we can talk more about it later, but the, the season where they went uh, to game seven with Toronto and Bosch or Bosch's first blood clot season is up there for me. Yeah, but see, okay, and this is and I I that's the last Second one I covered home and road. To me, that one doesn't come in the top ten. I my, my my thing is, and I think this is where we're separating a little bit. You guys are thinking more like fans, and I'm thinking more like a reporter because I don't automatically put three championships in as most memorable. I, I understand that most impact on a franchise, I get that, and most impact for a fan. But when I think memorable, the 10-11 season is the most memorable season in Heat history. That, that's mm. because it's one of the most memorable seasons in NBA history. I get, you're right. You're and, right. And, 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 and nobody's – every moment from that, J.J. Barea, okay, signing Mike Bibby, uh, you know, it, you know, everything that happened in the, you know, LeBron's meltdown, but again, the Boston series overcoming the Celtics. I mean, we can talk about winning a championship, but the thing was, you know, overcoming the Celtics there in the playoffs after you didn't play well against them in the regular season. Remember? And that was the whole thing. And you did, what were they? Beating they were the, Chicago. Beating in Chicago, Chicago and Rose's, game and five Rose's in MVP your face season. For life. Right. I mean, that was, I mean, I was lucky enough to be courtside for that one. All right. Or baseline. And like, I was already writing a piece about them going back that, to Miami you know and squandering that, this opportunity. And I will never understand like what LeBron did on the way to the finals, just clutch performance and just mm-hmm. like, just big onions, just big, he was enormous. He was tremendous. Out. Dwayne was terrible in that series against Chicago. Everybody forgets that he was terrible. But the, but the last like four minutes of that game against yeah. Chicago, Game Five, yeah. Dwayne destroyed them. Yeah, that was the four minutes breakout he had in that. But remember, Bosch had some horrible performances in Chicago that season yeah. too. 
but but you're right. And how it is that LeBron melted down against Dallas? Against Dallas. I, 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 I but I honestly think a lot of it was the national media descended on him there. And I, I mean, I don't want to give him too much credit, but the Greg Doyle question, man, it just, it got in LeBron's head, that thing about disappearing in the fourth quarter. And it's like LeBron, LeBron zoned out after that. And I look, we've, we've tried on the podcast. I and mean, how many of these heat stories episodes have we done where we've tried to get somebody to explain, I tried to get Shane to explain it. What happened to LeBron in that series? And nobody has ever, it, there's no like big personal secret. Like, when Chalmers melted down in the 2014 finals against uh, the Spurs, if you recall that, to the point that LeBron asked me, he was walking on the court in the arena after LeBron did his podium thing in the back and Mario, and he asked me what the hell's wrong with Rio. <laughs> and what was wrong with Rio was he was going through some personal stuff at the time. There wasn't any of that with LeBron. There's, no, there's no explanation for what LeBron no, did. No, he just he – just, melted down he just melted down it like it all i think everything from the season crashed down in him at that same time and the release was the comment he made about you can all go back to your lives now it was like he was was waiting for that rather than winning a championship leif i don't know you you're i i feel like me and you are kind of on the same wavelength where we believe a lot in analytics we believe in the numbers but there's a certain part of a sport we believe emotion do you feel like I feel like like LeBron in 2011 is one of the biggest choke jobs in history oh for sure it has to be um because of what everything that he did prior to that and particularly like swallowing up the league MVP and showing what a fraudulent award that was um you know like all of those things you could never have guessed that LeBron was going to do that and and to Ethan's point this is what makes that season so memorable. And it's just, it's unfortunate that it leaves a bad taste in a Heat fan's mouth like myself, but you can't deny that that will forever be ingrained in every NBA conversation about how that team came together and everyone loved watching them lose. But that's, it goes back to why that Thunder title is so important from a Heat fan perspective is that that was the moment that, every, that we could look back at the entire nation and say, Haha, ha, we got this. You know what I mean? I will never forget LeBron on the sidelines, just like jumping up and down, arms waving. Like, just like he looked like a child. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was a child, it was like, a, it was a childhood joy in his face when they were playing the, uh, it wasn't because they weren't playing Seven Nation Army. It was a Kanye track. Like, you probably can, uh, you probably can tell me what track it was. Um, Not Kanye. <laughs> Was it what, what was it when he was? No, no, uh, it could have been. I'm saying I, I don't remember Kanye songs, just g- generally speaking. Because we hate Kanye. <laughs> um, but it was like when him when he was waving his arms, it was like this childlike joy in his face. I'll never forget that man. I've never been happier. Like Dwayne Wade is my favorite athlete of all time. Um, and him next, him and Mike Magic Johnson, and then Lawrence Taylor. Like I have a list. Um, and Shaquille O'Neal is in my top five. But I've never been happier for a man, uh, an athlete, than LeBron James when, when they beat the Thunder and they were just they, – they destroyed them in that game five. So, to me, like, I understand what Ethan is saying. Like, there's – when you talk about memorable seasons, there's, like, storylines and there's all, this, there's all these different things. 
And so, like, I think what Ethan wants to get to is, like, this season. If this season, if the Heat go to an Eastern Conference Finals and they lose in seven games against the Bucks, like, where do you put this Heat season? Well, I think it will – a lot will depend on, like, if this is the launching pad for something else in the next two off-seasons – because I think that part of the allure that we hold so near and dear to our heart about 0304 is that we saw in retrospect what a launching pad that was to to that entire heat era with Wade and and everything like that becoming a contending team. So um, I think there's an element of it that we got to see that part of it. But I think anything less than the Eastern Conference Finals and this season, while it was awesome and it's been a lot of fun and there's Obviously, there's a ton of things about this season that are super positive going forward. I just don't know how it cracks into that top. Um, I mean, I guess there's a storyline with the the shutdown and coming back from that and winning a title in a bubble or getting to the finals in a bubble or wherever you get to. So there's definitely ways that this team can creep into this conversation because there's a lot of guys that I think the fans love. There's young players that the fans are getting behind, and that's a huge thing that I don't think Heat fans have had necessarily the chance to do as much as maybe some other franchises is get behind a core group of young guys for any length of time because generally they're packaged and flipped for a shack. And that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we, we love that. But these guys, a lot of them, I think, are here to stay for the most part. Um, and so, so there's, oh, there's a way, but it's, it's going to take a lot here. Without, well, a so deep, me- without a deep playoff run or a finals appearance – I feel like this team gets forgotten, and I don't think it should be. But I feel like the team not, not gets forgotten, but it, it, it's not going to register in the top six, seven, eight heat seasons of all time. Well, let's but let's decide off what they are first. So, if, so if we're going to go with, I, to me, okay, we've decided it gets challenging. I, Ninety-six, ninety-seven, we didn't talk about a lot because again, when you get twenty-five years out, it's hard to have as many memories of it. I, but I feel like we need one of those teams. Um, I think we agreed on, well, you guys agreed on 06. Uh, to me, 10, 11 is a given three, four to me is a given. I, I believe, I know, I know Leif, you didn't come here. And then I think the next one to me would be 12, 13, not 11, 12. I, I just, I understand yeah. the, I understand the first title. I get it. I understand LeBron getting over the hump. There's probably a lot of things I'm forgetting from that season, but it was, you know, the winning the three games and three nights and the back-to-back-to-back. There was a lot of stuff that happened, but a lot of it was kind of like, okay, the Heat are okay now. They got past the first year stuff, whereas 12-13 was memorable because it was excellence that we've never seen from this franchise and probably never will again. That 27-game winning streak was we saw the best player in the world, maybe the best player of all time, certainly one of the top three, at the at the peak of his powers for months for months and and Dwayne was at an elite elite level during that winning streak also and you knew there you knew the nine guys were playing every night they were dominant you had the Danny Ainge moment uh you know, manage your own effing team all of that stuff and then you finish it with a Ray Allen shot I, it's 12, 13 belongs. I, I don't 100%. No, we just hadn't got there yet chronologically. You know what I mean? Right. Like that was the next season on the list and we've just been veering what off if, in all different directions, to, but it has to be. The question is what would have to happen this season? 
Well, I, I think what would have to, I mean, to me, it, it would have to be a, a, well, there's a couple of things that are playing against it. Okay. One is you've lost people's, well, first thing the heat didn't play particularly well for like a three week period going into the break. It's an unexpected break. And so you've lost some momentum. Now you're going to have games not in front of fans. And one of the things that makes games memorable is the fan reaction. And you don't have that this time. So I think the only way it gets there, I understand what you're saying, Leif, about, you know, the idea of players, of you know, people have associated with the players on this team. They've kind of fallen in love with Bam. You know, they've developed connections with Hero, with Robinson. Even, you know, I polled this, you know, who is the MVP of the break? And Myers Leonard got 70% of the vote. I think there's a lot of fans didn't know that much about Myers who during the three months, you know, have fallen in love with Myers just the way that he's interacted with fans. Um, you know, so I think some of that has happened, but I, I think that ultimately for this to be that memorable, it, it would have to be a finals appearance, an unexpected finals run or a title. I, that's it. I, I don't see how, I don't see how you top, you know, the first Zos, the first great Zo season, the, the, the 06 title, the first LeBron season, you know, the, even, even the first Shaq season, the, 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 you guys say 11-12, I say 12-13, but I know Leif says 12-13, or even 0-3-0-4. I think 0-3-0-4 has the most parallels to this season. This team is better than that team, but it does feel somewhat similar, and Heat fans still love that year. So I, I think it can get there, but I think it, you would have to upset the Bucks, right? Well, yeah, and this is the other part of it that I think subconsciously Heat fans are thinking about 2021. And it's just inevitable. Like, I think that it shouldn't be an elephant in the room that this has all been accelerated in terms of this, this roster and how successful the team has been, that this is all happening a little ahead of schedule, quite frankly. Um, so there's an element of the fan subconscious that's thinking about summer 2021 and, and you know, the Bam Giannis shirts and, and that kind of stuff and what the team may look like then. And that's just – it's not it's – not, a knock on this team at all. It's just, it was always looked as a transition season. And I just think that fans ultimately that's going to stick to their gut when they know that big things could be ahead. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I mean, what is, what is the moment from this year? Is the hero shot? The hero shot against um, Philly, the Sixers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry. I'm sneezing. That's not a that's that's not a yeah, role. I, you don't you don't have to say it. Today I was out and I I sneezed three times and yeah, you know, everybody looks at you like you you know, it it happens. Uh, it is the hero shot, but I mean, there were all the comebacks, but the, the comebacks kind of ran together. Like all these home, com- I mean, I mentioned the Atlanta game. There were a few of them. You know, you had the big win up in Milwaukee without Jimmy. You had you know again beating the Sixers three times. Uh, you didn't. Jimmy you blowing don't have, a kiss at the Pacers. Blowing the kiss that, at the Pacers. That may end up becoming a storyline that comes back to us, which is a good thing. Right, and so, but you need those storylines, right? And I just wonder if you're going to be able to generate that level of passion when nobody's going to be in the stands to see it. It's it's just different. You you know you don't have you know what what the what the heat had in 2011 where they silenced the bulls crowd on the road you know or silenced the celtics in game 6 you know with lebron you know and you know and everything that happened there you know it, it's you're not going to have that this time and so, it's going to be so, this antiseptic environment in orlando i mean in all every 
sense of the word, you know? It's- so, Ethan, I talked about this on um, I on Taco Bell Sports last night. I don't know if it's five reasons to drink a Taco Bell Sports. I don't know what's called. One of those, it. something, yeah. Uh, one of our live streaming shows. Um, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn and a lot of these young guys on the Heat that are very important to their success are very familiar with playing at a place like Wide World of Sports in Orlando with a, yeah. not a lot, with, with, a, with a small crowd. Yes. I, yeah, I and, know. He, and you know from my background, and, and Leif knows this, I coached AAU. So I've been there with small crowds, maybe your family, your parents are in the crowd. Like, there's no big ch- – the pressure isn't there. Uh, it's not the pressure of a crowd. I'm saying it's the, 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 the – well, I'm saying the pressure of the crowd isn't there. So, right now I'm wondering, and, I, you know, listen, everyone wants to talk about analytics. No one ever wants to talk about the emotional side of sports anymore. But if you're a guy like Tyler Hero who played in empty gyms two years ago, year and a half ago, Duncan Robinson been playing in empty gyms. Kendrick Nunn's been playing in empty gyms. Jimmy Butler doesn't, has forgotten what it's like to not feed off of a crowd. Um, so when you look at it, like, are, are, is there going to be an advantage to the young guys who are one year, two years out of AAU compared to the guys that are used to playing in front of packed arenas? There's a lot of reasons. And I I did, by the time this pod runs, it probably won't be tonight, but I did a hit on, uh, WSVN. And that's one of the things I talked about was that there's so many things that are playing into the heat's hands right now i think uh that you i think to to win in this circumstance you need an elite coach they have it you need players who want to be together because they're going to be stuck together they have it you're going to need a a bunch of young guys on the team whose legs are going to come back quicker than everybody else's they have it you're going to need depth because you're not going to know which guys are going to pull hamstrings or who's going to come in not in the best shape they have it. And then you need some experience and some leadership. And I think in Butler and Dragic and Haslam, they have it. And then they have what you're talking about, which is that I think a lot of these guys are just gym rats. They don't really care who's in the crowd. And like you said, it wasn't that long enough ago. They weren't in playing in front of any crowds. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Kendrick Nunn look just as good playing in the little gym at Cox Pavilion in Vegas as they did in the big Thomas and Max Center next door. I don't think it matters to them. And so I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of things that play into the Heat's hands. And I, and I also – and so I, do I see that they can make a run? Absolutely. And if, but if, but the, the question for this pod is how deep does the run have to be <laughs> for it to be top five in Heat history? Eastern Conference I, Finals, uh, game seven. I think it has to be a, a finals appearance. But that's, that's me. I think, hey. I think if, they can, if they can push this thing all the way to the finals – I think that it gets there. Um, I think it gets there. All right, so that's it. Uh, check out our sponsors, uh, MacaInc.net. That's MacaInc.net or BankruptcyIsGoodForYou.com. That's the Gonzalez and Tybor Law Firm. BankruptcyIsGoodForYou.com. Um, check that out. Also, all of our other sponsors, Christopher'sBakery.com. You, you break wheel fix. .com. We've got a bunch of sponsors of the network. Make sure you support them and check out 5reasonsports.com. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the 5 Reasons Sports Network.
Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.